One of the, one of the things in ministry that I, I look forward to uh, in, in preaching, I plan my preaching calendar around. Years are artificial. No, nobody said January 1st needed to be the solar first day of the year or December 30th. We, we just arbitrarily, as, as, a, as humanity, picked a day. We know that because other cultures have different first years for, or first, first days of the year. Um, but it's a nice way of keeping time, and I, I create, I, I build my sermon series around the January to December cycle. So it's for me, it's a new series of sermons, and uh, I look forward to that. You know, every church has issues, and ours ours does as well. We still have growing to do, of course we do. So this year, we're going to look for the theme at. Christian unity, and and look at it because I think it is an important subject. Uh, a church united under the direct lordship of Christ is completely unstoppable. Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against such a church. It's an awesome force. A church that lacks unity under Christ will lack will lack direction and purpose. It'll be full of politicking and fighting and gossip and bad attitudes. So I want to start the year off right. And so if we're going to do this, we, where, do, where do we begin? We begin in Genesis, to be quite honest. And so we'll, we'll start at the very beginning uh, and see how man's relationship with God was built for unity. So with that said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. And over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. And every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. We are made in God's image. You know, we, we live in a day and age when people no longer believe that. Uh, people no longer believe that mankind was created in the image of God. And there is an inevitable repercussion from this. We've lost our self-esteem. And understandably so. If we are made in his image then we were designed to be this way, better, better than this, admittedly, mankind has fallen, but we were designed for worth. We have value. You know, anything that go, even handicaps, things that go wrong can be placed at the feet of God and we can live up to what he made us for. But if we are simply a random result of an impersonal, uh, uh, impersonal evolutionary process, then I'm not. Th- th- then there's not much point to human existence. We become 
mere chance. Whether we live or die doesn't matter in the broad scope of things. Uh, Our existence is the result, individually, collectively, to a coin toss. And that's all. No wonder suicide and depression are on the rise. Mankind was not meant to feel that way. Mankind was meant to know that we are not an accident. We are not random chance. We were created, and specifically created in the image of God. And obviously, obviously we know that that means that we don't look like him phys- physically. We all look so different from each other. We get that. But we have individuality and imagination, creativity, spirituality. We were created for holiness. You know, the rest of creation, days one through five, God made the world, made the universe, stars, planets, and that was good. Created man, and it was very good. We were created... Because we were created in his image, we were created for relationships. And think about it. We think about who God is, and we recognize as Christians that that God is triune. We speak of God the Father, but we recognize that Jesus was God the Son, God on earth incarnate who died for us. And when we become Christians in his Holy Spirit comes within us. We recognize that the Holy Spirit is God as well, God within us. And we recognize that, that there is but one God, but that he exists in fellowship with, within himself. It, it's a little, a little hard, a little weird. The Trinity concept has always been difficult to grasp as, as Christians to kind of put it into human language, but hard to explain though it is, we recognize that it is a biblical truth. God lives in the original relationship, in, in himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are like him. Relationships are important for us, and we desire relational unity. We were made for a unity in relationships. We need to understand that that's part of how we were made. Mankind has value because God made us. And made us with value, take away God, I think you take away a lot of the value of humanity. At that point, we're just, delu- we're just accidents with delusions of, of sentience, a passing fad in the universe. But with God, we have purpose. We're loved. That makes all the difference, doesn't it? And so we turn in Genesis chapter 2 to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. And so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man 
And he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. We were made for fellowship with each other. Male and female, we are created in his image. Male and female, created in his image. I have to emphasize that. And, and man was created in a family relationship right out of the, out of the gate. Now, I am not one of these people. Hear what I'm saying then. Sometimes, sometimes people say, oh, if, you, you know, if you're not married, you're, there's something broken about you. I don't remotely believe that. Paul is very, very clear that marriage can get in the way um, of, of some ministry. So on the one hand, while Paul compares the church to the bride of Christ and in that sense elevates the place of marriage and tells us that marriage shows us the relationship between Christ and his church, there is elsewhere where Paul says, if you, you know, because of ministry, if you can dodge getting married, um, that, may be, that may be better for your ministry. So I'm, I'm not one of these people that believes that marriage, that everybody must get married and marriage is, is the end-all and the, and the be-all. But Paul does talk an awful lot about the family and, and, and about our Christian family. You know, in the Old Testament, the nation of, first off, the nation of Israel, not only is the church described as the bride of Christ, but in the Old Testament, Israel is compared to a wife of God. But then you look at Israel itself. You know, no accident that God chose Abraham, and then Abraham had Isaac. But then Isaac had, had, the, had Jacob and Esau, right? And then Jacob, renamed Israel, has 12, 12 sons. We don't know how many daughters. Daughters, plural, but we don't know the number. Um, family, Israel was a family, and, and a pretty big one. I mean, just, we know just from when Joseph invites his brothers and their families down to Egypt, we know there were 120 of them at that point. Just, just that family reunion of Joseph and his immediate family. Um, over time, of course, the, these, these 12 sons of Israel become the 12 tribes of Israel. And as a nation, Israel is very family-oriented throughout the Old Testament. Um, tribal in a good way. The 12 tribes were important. In the New Testament, we get to the church, the bride of Christ. And one of the phrases that's used to describe Christians is brothers and sisters. Jesus says that those that lose their family for his sake, following him, will receive more in Matthew chapter 19. And, and that tells us that apparently family is very important to, to, follow, uh, to, to, to us, to the way that we were made. Man is meant to live in relationships. God gave most of us fathers and mothers and he allows us to have marriages, although, as I said, I think that they exist to show us something. I think that, that they are not ends among themselves, but an example, a type of God's relationship with us. But, and I think that this is very basic, when we lack unity, it all begins to fall apart. When a family fractures, 
when they take their eyes off of the love that they should be showing each other, when they focus instead on themselves, when people focus on themselves, selfishly care more about themselves than others, when that happens, there's cheating, there's fights, there's very little love. And when the church does the same, and when the members of the church focus on themselves instead of displaying the love of Christ, there's a lack of unity, fighting, wandering off, churches won't grow. God made man to live in harmony with one another. And when we mess this up, we suffer. We feel hurt. We feel broken. We lash out. We end up still feeling just as alone. The cure, the cure for feeling unloved is to become a more loving person to fulfill what God made us to to be to be the people that God has called us to be. We were made to be godly, to be Christ-like in his image with each other. There is indeed a, a social aspect to the church, we, we, a family aspect. We dare not say that it doesn't matter. It matters. We were made to be united together as a family, and we can't just blow that off. We can't, we can't treat it as nothing. Okay, so having read that, uh, let's, let's move into the bigger passage now. Let's move into Genesis chapter 3. Girls playing a, a rock, paper, scissors, can I get you to cool it down a little bit? Thank you. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, well, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you've done? Where the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you've done this, Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Well, to the woman he said, 
I will greatly increase your pains and childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. And so the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay, so this chapter's huge. This chapter's a big deal. Everything in the Bible is based upon this after this. The whole Bible, this is is where it all messes up, right? Chapter 1, chapter 2, things are great. There's no problem. Chapter 3, it messes up. And the rest of the Bible is God offering his plan to fix what goes wrong in Genesis chapter 3. God lived with unity in man before sin. And he desires that again. It sends Jesus to fix that. Man is meant to live in a relationship not just with each other, but with God. But the relationship was broken. Satan tried, succeeded, in driving a wedge between man and God. Eve fell because she was convinced that God was holding something back. She grew suspicious. The irony is there was nothing being held back other than that which was for her, for her benefit. And she was the one that ended up creating. She, she was the self-fulfilling prophecy. She, she was the one that destroyed the relationship with God. Adam fell because he chose what Eve wanted over what God wanted. Why did God create man in the first place? Why, why place them in the garden? I think God enjoyed, I absolutely believe that God enjoyed fellowship with man. Looked forward, looked forward to seeing what Adam would name the animals. I still think that God wants unity with mankind. And, and of course, that's what we come to celebrate, right? That, that God sent Jesus to earth to restore that relationship. To restore the broken lines of communication is not unity and love the pleasure of God. Mankind was meant for better things, is meant for better things. It's still our destiny. The relationship has been restored, but not through anything that we have done. It's been restored through his grace. His grace grants those who choose Jesus Christ a return to God. His grace binds us together. 
Forgive me, I'm losing my notes. You too, knock it off. God wants man to live in unity of fellowship with him. But he leaves it to our choice. It's our choice. He did his part. We get to choose whether or not we want to. Whether or not we want to live in unity with him. A church in unity with God is a healthy church. If we only have unity with each other, well, we're not even Christian at that point. Because non-Christians have unity with each other. Pick any social club. Pick any organization. They're united, but secular. Our job is to be more than just united with each other. We must be united under God. And this is where it is easy to fail if we're not careful. Church must be under God. Or it's not the church. This is where it is so easy to fail if we're not careful. We cannot take for granted what that means. Do we know our God? Do we have a relationship with him? And that's, and that's not something we take for granted. Showing up at church once a week doesn't give us that. We have the tools. We have prayer. We have the Bible. We have fellowship with each other. Whole churches can go for years keeping busy and not, getting the, and, and, and not growing closer to God. Failing to seek what the Lord wants. And any of us can do that too if we're not careful. If you have no relationship with God, the church can't give that to you. The church provides tools. We want to encourage and build each other up, but we can't do it for you. We're here to equip, but equipment does no good if it's not picked up. The tools are there. They're in your hands. We want to help you use them effectively. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 322. God wants to enjoy, that's the word I want to use, enjoy his church. But does he? Now, do we enjoy the church? Is this the kind of church we would be proud to bring people to? I think many people consider church a chore. The point of the church isn't a chore. It's, it's a joy to draw close to God when we focus on him. When we focus on ourselves and what we want, we get distracted. I think church is a joy. I think that the more we put into it, the more we get out of it. But, but we have to keep our eyes on God and, and stay focused on him. And that's the call. If you, haven't given, if you haven't had the chance to do that, if for whatever reason you've been distracted, if you need to give uh, your life to Christ, if you're only now looking at it and seeing what it is, I want to talk with you about what that looks like. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.